you'll turn in your Bibles to Ephesians, the fourth chapter. Last week I spoke to you about change, how we need as children of God to change on a regular basis. Change is not a one-time thing for the child of God. And whether you change now or not, you're going to change one day. Job 14 and 14, he said, If a man die, shall he live again? All the days of my appointed time will I wait till my change come. That's going to be involuntary where the Lord is just going to change you. You're going to have a new body. You're going to have a resurrected body. That's going to be glorious. But I'm not talking about that. And I'm also not talking about change in the sense of becoming a child of God. I'm talking about a born-again child of God, touched by the Spirit of God, changing for the better, changing for the glory of God. Today, I want to talk about how change works. There's an old Bobby Braddock song, a line in there that I like that says, the only thing that stays the same is everything changes. That's from the song, Time Marches On. And isn't that true? The only thing that stays the same is everything around us is changing. So it's interesting that God directs and commands change for the child of God. It just, every, everything is changing. But God, as we said, never changes. The wicked never change. But God's born again children of God. He changes them. And then we continue to change as we go along. So how change works. And I want you to keep two words in mind as we look at this. Renovate and refresh. This is how change works for the child of God. Renovate and refresh. So let's read in Ephesians, the fourth chapter. We'll begin in verse 22. He says that you put off concerning the former conversation or lifestyle, the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. The meaning of the word renewed is renovate. And it's interesting when you begin to renovate, whether it's your life or maybe some of you know that we're doing a renovation at our house. And renovation exposes things. There's a little section on the carport that the people that are working on our house tore off underneath the steps. And when they tore that off, there was a Pepsi can sitting there that one of the workers in 2002, you know, had left his can sitting there and then boarded it up. And I, I mean, I saw it. I thought it was one of the workers that was working now. And I was there, Brother Asher. He said, look at that. And I was like, what? It's a Pepsi can. He's like, I've never seen one like that. <laughs> and the style, was, I was like, yeah, you're right. It's totally different looking. And it had been in there for 20 years, hidden behind that, uh, that panel. And then due to renovation, it's exposed. So when you go about to renovate, you're going to expose a lot of things. And some of you may be thinking, yeah, boy, so-and-so sure needs some exposing. I can't believe what they do and what they say and what they think. Well, this isn't talking about so-and-so. This is talking about you and me, you see? Renovation is not taught here for the purpose of other people doing it. It's taught for you and it's taught for me. And it's so necessary for the child of God. Notice what he says. This is how change works for the child of God. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. How many times have y'all heard me say, 
I'm not after your heart. Jesus Christ has touched your heart and given you life. That's the Spirit's job. That's not my job. But I'm after your mind. And that's what it says right here. He says, be renewed or renovated in the spirit of your mind. The word spirit right there means mental disposition. What does that mean? He says, be renovated in the way that you think. Be renovated in your mental disposition. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Your mind is your intellect or your thought process, your feeling or your will. The root of that word right there, mind, means to know what you know. If you remember last week, I spoke about the day of Pentecost when those people were preached to by Peter. And it says they were pricked in their heart. When Peter gave them the knowledge and it hit their mind and it connected with what was already in their heart by the Spirit of God, it, it brought great change in the form of turning from their former thought process. That's what, that's what God will do for you. He'll turn your mind Sometimes he'll turn your mind into mush, just into mush. But out of that mush, out of how your mind breaks down thinking about what you are and what you've done and how you're a wretch before the Lord, he builds back in that the glorious light of the gospel that says you are a born-again child of God. You are a purchased prize and possession of the Lord. You understand that? When you get to heaven one day, not just when you get there, but now, you are the prize of God. Do you realize that? You say, well, I don't feel like I'm worth much. Well, join the club. I feel that way so often. But it's a good thing to feel that way because it drives you to look to something that is worth something, which is the Lord. And when you get to heaven one day, we're going to glorify the Lord. Everything's going to be focused on the Lord Jesus Christ, but you will be the prize of God. Look at all the children that I have saved, the Lord is going to say. My blood is paid for this multitude, and you're his prize right now. And that's what this is about, getting it in your mind that you are not worthless when it comes to you being a purchased possession by God. Now, in your nature, we're worthless in our nature. There's no benefit that we have that we can give to God because of our human nature, our sinful nature. That's why he makes the distinction that you put off the old man. The new man is what you have get been given by God's Spirit. And you need to renew the mind of that new creation, that new man. Be renewed in your intellect. Be renewed in your thought, in your feeling. Be renovated in your will. And what you say, well, I wanted to go this way, but the Lord says this is destructive for you. Might lead to a snare, as Brother Luke has taught us here. I was sitting there thinking about him preaching about snares, because I, I, I put out a few snares in my life also. I wouldn't be surprised if every single one of us, including me, including Brother Luke, I wouldn't be surprised if we have our necks in a snare right now. He said, not me, not me, no, 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 no. I, I got everything lined up and everything's true. That means you're in a snare, <laughs> you see? If you think there's no snare there to choke you and choke out the Word of God in your life, it probably means you've got your neck in one right now. I'm not trying to scare you. I'm not trying to send a, a spirit of fear, but I'm, I'm trying to send a spirit of knowledge to you just how wicked it is, just how difficult the times are. 
But God's grace is sufficient to get your neck out of that snare before it starts tightening up. And it's like you can't get out. And God's so good that even if you do tighten up the snare and you can't get out, He's still merciful to to lead you on a way out. Our God is so good. This is about renovating your intellect, your thought, your feelings, your will to know on the day of Pentecost, the astonishing knowledge of Christ being the Son of God renovated their thinking. Notice he says, be renewed in the spirit of your mind and that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. The phrase put on means to invest with clothing. Invest is just a fancy word to say, be given clothing, be given something to wear. When I read that, I thought about Easter when I was in the 10th grade. And I know mom's here today, but I had to consent to this. She picked it out, but I had to consent to it. But I've seen some pictures of me when I was dressed up in my Easter suit in 10th grade, not in, four, in, not in third or second grade, back when I had no choice. And I looked like a dipped and dyed Easter egg. That's what I looked like. I had a yellow coat, green pants. I'm not even going to tell you the color of my tie. And I looked like an Easter egg walking around. Maybe that was the purpose, Mom. Maybe that's what it was. She wanted me to look like those cute little Easter eggs that we used to die. And I looked at me and I was like, we're burying this picture. This isn't going to turn up on the internet somewhere. I looked like an Easter egg. I had been invested with these clothes that were so bright and colorful. And I get it. You know, the younger you are, you're supposed to wear more youthful colors and all that type of stuff. Well, buddy, I was youthfully colored that day. And when I get up in the morning and I invest myself in my clothes, my suit, my tie, whatever it is that I'm wearing. You know, I always run that past Sister Tracy because I used to have pretty good taste years ago, I thought, and I could dress myself and and look nice. But after I got married, I guess I just lost all my nerve in that area. And so Sister Tracy, you know, she makes sure that I'm looking coordinated and I'm not trying to pit mom against Sister Tracy here this morning, but I don't go out looking like an Easter egg. (laughs) And so she makes sure that I look nice And I go out and I do, you know, and people say, some of you have said, well, I like that tie or I like that suit or whatever. And I usually always say, well, it's because of Sister Tracy. She invests me with the right color coordination and so forth. The Lord has given you the right clothes to wear to renovate your mind. He's not going to make you look silly. And look, back in those days, I didn't look silly. You know, it wasn't silly. It's silly looking back on it now. But at that time, it was an okay thing to wear. So I'm not knocking on what mom put me in. But it was okay for the time. But me wearing that now, y'all would be laughing right now if I, if I wore my 10th grade Easter egg suit to preach to y'all. Y'all be laughing at me. So you see, the Lord gives you what you need to wear at the appropriate time that you need to wear it. See? The new man, the clothing of the new man, he says it's created in righteousness and true holiness. Oh, don't you want to be righteous? And don't you want to demonstrate holiness? And look, what follows here in Ephesians, none of these things can be put on. A a child of God cannot invest these themselves, clothe themselves with these things that are listed here. They will not match up. They will not color coordinate in what the Lord has for us to wear as children of God. And you understand when he says to put on like clothing, he's not talking about a literal coat or a literal shirt. He means the spiritual man has certain types of clothing to wear. And I want to wear this every day. I confess that I don't, but I want to. He says that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true, true holiness. Wherefore, putting away lying, you cannot wear lying and 
demonstrate the spiritual man. You can't do it. Speak every man truth with his neighbor. It's wonderful how God gives you. He doesn't leave you unclothed, but he gives you a piece of clothing to replace an old piece of clothing. He said, if you're used to lie, he says, put on the truth. Speak the truth. Every man uh, with his neighbor. For we are members one of another. If you're angry, he says, put that off and then let not the sun go down upon your wrath. See, there's a clothing that you can wear there. Mom and dad, except for the drive to Meadow Branch that morning when we were going to drive through the water, and except for a couple of unique times when mom would help us in the cattle lot, getting up cows, and none of us could read dad's mind. He knew what he was thinking, but we didn't know what he was thinking. So we tried. So except for those two minor little exceptions, we never saw them, never heard mom and dad fuss, never heard them have a crossword. That has driven me almost insane sometimes when in my own marriage to make sure that I'm, I said, I want to live up to that standard. And of course, mom and dad said, well, y'all never heard us fuss. We always did it after you went to bed. But they settled whatever matter they had before the sun, before the, the day had passed, before the sun went down in the sense of before the day had passed. That's what this is teaching right here. Let not the, the sun go down upon your wrath. If you're angry, if you're upset, if something's bothering you, don't let the sun go down upon that, see? It's teaching us we should not give place to the devil. If you let the sun go down upon your wrath, if you maintain that bitterness and you maintain that anger, then you're giving a place at your table for the devil. Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands the thing which is good that he may have to give to him that needeth. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. All of these things cannot be worn by the child of God. They cannot be put on. You can't be invested with this type of clothing and honor God with the new man. And it looks like a tall order, doesn't it? It is a tall order. And you know what the perfection of that tall order is? It's Jesus Christ. And you understand, none of us are ever going to be perfect like Christ. But the Word of God has no verse in it found that says to quit. <laughs> It says to keep on trying. It says to keep on serving, to keep on doing these things. And it honors God. It's the mystery of honoring God. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed unto the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from among you with all malice. And this is where it all begins. And be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake has forgiven you. There's nothing that you can't forgive. There's nothing that you can't get past. Because if there was something that you couldn't get past, then it, it's a desecration, if you will, of Christ's blood. There was nothing in your life that Christ could not get past to save you from your sins. And accordingly, there's nothing that you can't get past in your life, in my life, because of what Christ has done for us. Renovate. Renovate your thinking. Say, well, that's just old so-and-so, or that's just that old situation, or that's that old thorn in the flesh, or that's the... Renovate your thinking by the gospel, by the Word of God. Colossians 3 and verse 10 is basically a repeat or a restatement, if you will, of the book of Ephesians, the fourth chapter. But the word that is used here is a little bit different, and it means to refresh. Renovate and refresh. Colossians 3 and 10 says, And you have put on the new man which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. It's almost a restatement of Ephesians 4. Notice how it goes back to knowledge. It goes back to how you think. The root word of renewed means to 
refresh. It's the same word that Jesus used in Matthew 9 and 17 where he talked about putting old wine into new bottles. You see, he's talking about being refreshed, something that's new, something that's refreshing. And there's another word for refresh that means to be youthful, like to be young. Like, and obviously, at, at, I can't even remember, I'm 51 or 52. I can't remember, Sister Tracy, you'll have to remind me later. But I can't go back and be 17. I can't go back and be 25. I can't return the clock of time back and go back. But that's not the word that's used here. So it can apply to anyone at any age. It means to refresh yourself. That's why he said over the book of Corinthians, I believe it is, where he says that the outward man perishes, but the inward man is renewed day by day. As you get older and your body begins to fail you, you begin to see, I can't go back and be young again. But the inward man, the spiritual man, can be renewed every day, no matter how old you are. That's what he's teaching here. It's a refreshing. So whatever your age is, however, the, however big the issue has been, he said that you can be refreshed in knowledge. See? After the image of him that created him. Image right there means profile or resemblance. The root word of image, it means, gives the picture of a faint copy. It made me think of these old files that we had in my office from 30, 40, 50 years ago that we purged those files. Probably should have already been purged, you know, 40 years ago, but I purged those files. And inside those files, they didn't have a, a Xerox machine or a copy machine back in those days. They had something, I think it was called rice paper, that when you wrote on the, the page you were going to hand to the person that they were going to get the document, underneath it was a copy. It was a real thin, you could almost see through it when you held it up and it made a lot of noise crinkle you know when you would hold it up and it's just a faint copy of the original that made me think about what we are you know we are a definitely a faint faint weak copy of the original we'll never be christ you understand but he expects us to resemble him to try to look like him to try to be a faint copy of him like that old rice paper you know and it takes time it takes time when you're renovating your mind and when you're refreshing yourself, think about if you've ever been just so tired. Whenever you began to eat or rest or whatever you were doing, you didn't get immediate relief. Like sometimes I've been so tired that it required a refreshing of seven or eight hours of sleep. And then I wake up the next morning, I feel so much better. I kind of had one of those days yesterday. We were doing some stuff on our own around the house, you know, tearing the deck out and some other things like that. And I tell you, you know, every time I looked around, I saw something else that needed to be done. Have y'all ever had that? You know, I'm going to do this one thing. But then when you do that one thing, especially if you're renovating, you begin to tear out. You say, well, then this has to be done. Then this has to be done. Then this has to be done. And the next thing you just go, ah. You know, it takes time to refresh. It takes time. Let the time pass for your refreshing. Do what God's Word says to do to renovate and to refresh. And then just let it sit. Wait and be patient. Pray for patience. I remember when I was in college, and I didn't really know exactly what I wanted to do. And I just kept listening to mom and dad. They'd say, well, what about this? What about this? You know, this would be a good direction. This would be a good direction. And through listening to them and seeking what I needed to do or what I thought I needed to do, through listening to that counsel, I was able finally to discern what I needed to do. Because they were giving me good counsel. I, I didn't like college. I, I just don't like school. <laughs> Sorry, Teachers and moms and dads or whatever that are teachers or got kids in school. I mean, I hated school. That's just the bottom line. I hated it. I, hate, I wanted to be outside. I wanted to be 
you know, setting snares, Brother Luke, and, and you know, going and, and playing outside, especially when I was a kid. And, you know, I, didn't, I just, school was in the way. And I felt that way even through college. You know, school was just in the way. If I can just get this out of the way, everything will be all right. <laughs> well, this is not a message to get you to quit. Because <laughs> I didn't quit. I listened to my parents. They said, well, just keep, you know, just keep after it. Because down the road, you're going to see the effects of this. I tell you, that's hard to get in your mind when you are on the cusp or you're on the edge of needing renovation and refreshing. It's hard to get that in your mind. But that's what we need. We need to listen to the Word of God. The, the, the Word of God says, renovate your mind. Refresh yourself. Rest yourself in the Word of God. Change the way you think. Renovate the way you think. Refresh the way you think. And stick with it. Don't just, oh, well, nothing showed up or nothing changed or nothing, no effect was seen on, you know, the first hour that I did this. <laughs> That's not what it's all about. It's about being patient and let the Lord have his way. Let the Lord do his thing. See, we want to manipulate and say, well, if I do this, well, then I'll have this in return. It doesn't work that way. Let the Lord do his thing. Amen. You do what God tells you to do. And then let the Lord do what He does. And I guarantee you, He'll show you amazing things when you renovate and when you refresh. Now, where does it all begin? He says, I want you to be renewed or renovate the spirit of your mind. He says, I want you to be refreshed in the knowledge, that, uh, in the image of Christ. Refreshed in that knowledge in your mind. It all begins with mercy. He said, that I want you to put on bowels of mercy. He said, I want you to put on, over there in the book of Ephesians, he said, forgiving one another, having mercy and kindness towards one another. It all begins with mercy. And did you know that a primary tool of God's mercy, a primary tool where you can begin, is the preaching of the gospel. Did you know that? Turn to Hosea, the sixth chapter. And I want you to read with me. Let's, let's begin reading in verse 3. And the prophet Hosea is speaking to the people of Israel and of Judah. He says, then shall we know if we follow on to know the Lord. What are we talking about here? We're talking about knowledge. What renovates your mind? The knowledge of God. Hosea 6 and 3, I see y'all like me were desperately trying to find it. I hear the pages turning. <laughs> hear the rice paper. It sounds like rice paper. Hosea 6 and 3. Then shall we know if we follow on to know the Lord. His going forth is prepared as the morning, and He shall come unto us as the rain, as the latter and former rain of the earth, a refreshing there. O Ephraim, what shall I do unto thee? O Judah, what shall I do unto thee? And this is like a picture of God. I can see it like this, and I know I'm weird, but I can see God sitting in heaven and just scratching His head. Now, God's never scratched His head and, and second-guessed Himself, you know. But I can just see the Lord, the way it's presented here. What shall I do? I can't believe that they're thinking and acting the way that they are. Ephraim, Judah, all that I've done for you, what shall I do? He says, oh, Judah, what shall I do unto thee? For your goodness is as a morning cloud, and as the early dew it goeth away. So the Lord is thinking, should I send fire and brimstone? I mean, you know, that worked at Sodom and Gomorrah. Of course, it completely wiped them out. You know, do I send fire down from heaven like the days of Elijah and lick up the water even around the altar on which the, the sacrifice was offered to me and then hew down and destroy the prophets of Baal like Elijah did one after the other, killing them? Do I appear to them in the form of a burning bush like I did to Moses? Do I appear to them on the, on the mount like I did when the law was given and the whole mountain shook and would have shook apart if it had not been for the restraining grace of God? The Lord said, what do I do for these people? This is what he does. 
He says, therefore, have I hewed them. I've cut them down. I have cut them to the ground with fire and brimstone, with judgment fire, name, you know, with a flood like in the days of Noah, with a flood like the way he destroyed Egypt. No, he says, I have, I have hewed them by the prophets. Well, wait a minute. Are you telling me that, Lord, you have all of this at your disposal? You have nature at your disposal. You have the universe at your disposal. You have judgment, fire, and brimstone at your disposal. You have so many different... You know, you, you could, in a sense, you could be like the false god Zeus and just take a lightning bolt and wham! Which is, a lot of the times, we're like Jonah. That's what we want to see. Just wham them! You know, destroy so-and-so. And he sent prophets. I have slain them by the words of my mouth. And thy judgments are as the light that goeth forth. Now watch verse 6. For I desired mercy and not sacrifice, and the knowledge of God more than burnt offerings. Does that sound familiar to you Bible readers from over in the book of Matthew two times? You understand that God could have done anything He wanted to do. God could have judged. God could have destroyed. God could have snapped His fingers and said, I'm starting over. I'm done with this. And a matter of fact, it sounded like he was almost to the point of doing that a couple times with Moses. Whenever the people of Israel were out there and crying to be slaves again, the Lord said, I'll just start over with you, Moses. And Moses said, no, Lord, Lord, mercy, mercy, Lord. And Jesus in the New Testament quotes from this very verse whenever the Pharisees came and said, why are you eating with publicans and sinners? Why are you spending time with these people? Why would you have anything to do with these people? The legalist said, why would you get your hands dirty? Why would you go down there and sit among those people, those despicable, uh, those terrible people, and you're sitting there eating with them, eating and drinking with them, and celebrating and feasting with them? And the Lord looked at them and He says, If ye would go and learn what Hosea means, I will have mercy and not sacrifice. You see, the very presence of Jesus Christ on the earth in flesh was the mercy of God. Y'all see that? And then the Pharisees come back later and they start pointing the finger again. Why are your disciples eating corn on the Sabbath day? Which was perfectly legal if you read the law with what they were doing, the gleaning that they were doing. Why are your, why are your disciples doing this? And Jesus said, if ye had gone and learned what that means, I will have mercy and not sacrifice. His presence on the earth was mercy. God could have done anything. He could have started over. He could have snapped his fingers. But the mercy of God, based on the covenant of God, and the, is what God gives us. He hewed them in the Old Testament, not by fire and brimstone, not by terrible judgment in terms of, of wiping them out, but he sent prophets to preach to them. And in the New Testament, he sent his son. The book of Hebrews says that he has spoken to us in these last days by his son. And then it says, full circle back to the book of Ephesians, the fourth chapter, if you go back there where we started, where it says we're to renovate our mind he says i've given gifts unto men when he ascended on high and led captivity captive when the lord went back to heaven what could he what would he leave us would he leave us a little bucket of fire and brimstone so we could zap one another whenever we step out of line what would he leave us he'll just go back and not tell us anything no he says he left he gave gifts unto men he gave apostles first and then he gave pastor teachers to preach the Word of God. The preaching of the Word of God is a mercy from God to you. You want to know where to start renovating your mind? You want to know where to start to refresh yourself? Start with the preaching of the Gospel. 
It's not archaic. It's not old fogey. It's the gift of God to men. And you picture that. It says when he ascended on high and he led captivity captive, as he was ascending back, I could just see him. I could just see the grace and the mercy dripping from his fingertips. And he's just bestowing gifts upon the world. He's bestowing gifts upon men. He said, what could it be? I'd like some money. I'd like a mansion. I'd like a car. I'd like a job. I'd like uh, you know, that particular boyfriend or that particular girlfriend or that spouse or whatever. No, the gifts that God gave unto men was the the preaching of the gospel and I'll tell you child of grace the preaching of the gospel whether somebody likes it or not will be going on until the Lord comes back and it'll be renovating and refreshing the minds of God's people until the Lord comes back I waste a little time every now and then and I kept seeing this particular entertainer pop up on the screen I hate to even tell you who it was but I'm going to it's a fella called the weekend and the name's misspelled it's like w-e-e-k-n-d I don't know if he realized he misspelled his own name, but anyway. And so there's some kind of special of a concert that he put on. And I thought, you know, it was in Los Angeles. And I thought, well, what's the big deal here? So I, I just kind of, you know, flipped through some of that. And aside from just the hypnotic aspect of the, of the type of music that was being played, I mean, it, it was, it's just hypnotic. The beat and the words and the repetition and so forth, just hypnotic. You know, I just kind of flipped through that. I thought, well, you know, it was no big deal to me. It was no big deal at all to me because I thought, I, I don't even like this kind of music. But it's not about, do I like this music? Do I like that music? It's about what pleases God, you know. Is this honoring to God? Is it dishonoring to God? And so I have a couple minutes here, a couple minutes there, and I flipped all the way to the end. And I said, well, we'll see how this thing closes out. And I got on this one particular spot, and as the guy was going off stage and the music was dying down, and thousands of people were cheering and chanting for him. Yes, 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 yes. You know, he curses just like you wouldn't believe. Profanity and blasphemy, and the people just cheer, 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 cheer. And I tried to get it off as quick as I could before I heard what he said. And let me just say, that's a, I'm not recommending that you go and do that, <laughs> go and surf through things. But from time to time, I do things like that just to see What's the big deal? What, what's everybody listening to? What are those folks listening to? And the first thing that came to mind, oh my goodness, what a renovation is needed. What a refreshing is needed. You know there's some of God's, many of God's children in that crowd chanting, chanting, chanting to the cursing and the blasphemy of that person. And nowadays I feel like the preachers that I used to hear when I was 17 or 18 years old, you know, they're preaching against this and preaching against that. And here I am up here preaching against that. But I'm not preaching against it because it's not my favorite type of music. I'm not preaching against it because I think, well, this is bad or this is good. I'm preaching against it because the Word of God gave gifts unto men. And God, by the grace and mercy of God, has given me a gift to preach to you. And I want you to know what is right and what is wrong and what will renovate and what will refresh and what will not. It's that simple. Because I love you. Because I feel mercy. God's given us mercy and the gifts that go out to be preached to God's people. And the men that are preaching that ought to feel mercy for the children of God. And Lord, help us if we get in that pharisaical mentality. We start thinking about, man, I wish I had some lightning bolts. And I feel sorry for those preachers that are casting those lightning bolts of doom and death. That's not what the ministry is about. That's not what the gift of the ministry is about. It's about life and glory. And it's about mercy. Let's renovate our thinking. 
Let's refresh our thinking. Don't just leave it on a national level. Yeah, we need renovation there. We need renovation over here. No, this is for you and it's for me. And it all starts. We'll listen to the preaching of the gospel. May God bless us to continue to renovate and refresh our minds in the gospel.